how's it going tonight, everybody? We are Run the Real, featuring Mike, Terry, Fox, and Dan. And we are back, continuing on with our Star Wars series with Star Wars Episode 2, Attack of the Clones. Aw, yeah. The clones have returned, and they're not happy. They're back. Or... As Terry says, the clones begin. <laughs> That's what he said when we watched it the other day. The clones begin. Anyway, Star Wars Episode Two was released in 2002. It was written and directed by George Lucas. It has a 6.6 out of 10 on IMDb with a 66% tomato meter and 56% audience score on Rotten Tomatoes. So it's uh, kind of right around that 60 range all around. And, um, well... This continues on from the first movie. I, I don't even know. Do we need to do a synopsis? Probably not. I guess not. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, we could do one. Anakin discovers he dislikes sand, and some clones show up and shoot stuff. There's the synopsis. That's perfect. He sums it up. What did you guys think of this one? Star Wars Episode Two. So I generally consider this the worst out of all of the prequel. Really? Why is that? I'll be honest, it's that awful, awful romance. (laughs) (laughs) I hate it. It makes me cringe every time I watch it. I'm like, oh my god, this guy (laughs) can't write love scenes at all (laughs) or love dialogue it's it is bad i had some misconceptions about this romance because i probably haven't seen this movie in geez i don't know a long time (laughs) like 10 years at least so i didn't realize that you know there's this whole issue of anakin being all cringy and being like date me date me date me (laughs) and padme being like no 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 I'd forgotten that there was a point where he was like, okay, fine. And then we get to the end of the movie and Padme's like, date me. (laughs) I had totally forgotten that she was the one who totally ruined it. Yeah, she's like turning them down every which way. Like every time Anakin says some line, she gives him a look and I'm just like, this is awkward. (laughs) (laughs) Some of the worst, most cliched dialogue I've ever heard for a love story. (laughs) It's just... Oh, man, it's so bad. You're not like sand. You're soft. Uh, And then he, like, rubs his finger down her back. Oh, God. What a creep. So, Fox and I were talking about this the other day, and, you know, you could look at it a different way. I just think George Lucas is very bad at writing romance, because it's so cringy, it's so bad, like you guys were saying. But we were also like, you know, Anakin's never seen really a woman besides Padme, or probably been around one. Some of them Jedi walking around the temple. Well, yeah, but he's like forbidden from that stuff, you know? She was like the first one. He doesn't really know what he's doing. Padme has been like a queen and a senator, you know? So she probably hasn't had a relationship with a dude ever either, you know, that wasn't business related or something like that. So you put the two of them together, it's going to be cringy. It's going to be weird. It's going to be awkward. But I don't think George Lucas is good enough to pull that off in his romance writing. I think it's just a bad romance that he thought was good. I think Padme's pretty clear on her position from the beginning. <laughs> like, no, I'm not yeah. interested in you. She's not being awkward. She's like, stop it. I don't want you to talk to me like that. Please stop. Don't look at me that way. Your skin is so soft. Let me touch it. <laughs> I mean, I do think a little bit of it does kind of tie into why they don't train older kids to be Jedi. 
Like, you know, Anakin's old enough to, like, recognize affection and emotion and intimacy. And now he's like, I'm powerful and I'm sexy and I'm so much better than all these other dudes. I did kind of enjoy it, though, in, like, a laugh at it because it's so bad kind of way, you know? Like, it was entertaining to watch Anakin say these weird, creepy things and see Padme just give him a look <laughs> like, please don't do that. Just stop. I gotta say, I... Always remember this one being the worst one, like like you said, Dan. But I had a lot more fun watching this one this time than I had watching The Phantom Menace last time. That's where I'm at, too, yeah. I mean, part of it was because Terry and I, we watched it together. We both had a few brews, and we were just cracking up over how cringy <laughs> Anakin was. Because neither of us remembered like all the looks, all those weird lines he was given. I didn't remember her just like rejecting him so harshly every single time. <laughs> yeah, like there's that thing when he's crap-talking how Obi-Wan's like, I'm ahead of him. I'm ready for the trials, but he won't let me. And he just like gives Padme this look. <laughs> She's like, quit looking at me that way. And yeah. he just continues doing it. He's like, why? <laughs> <laughs> and it was awesome. Yeah. It was hilarious. It's pretty funny. It's it's true. It's so bad you can laugh at it. Like Leprechaun and Wishmaster when we reviewed those. During our uh, episode one review, you. I was like, it's so mediocre all over the place. It doesn't really stand out. Whereas this one, it's so bad, you can laugh at it <laughs> and have more fun. Kind of begs the question, like, how none of the other Jedis have suspected this was going to happen <laughs> with all of those menacing looks that he keeps giving everybody <laughs> and all the weird things he keeps doing and, like, looking at cameras and Padme's room. <laughs> I feel like that we could have all seen this coming a little bit. You know, you kind of mentioned it earlier, Mike. Does anybody else think it's weird how much time Anakin spends bashing on Obi-Wan in this movie? He does it so much. Like, I didn't realize how often he just was like, Obi-Wan sucks. I'm so much better than him. All he does is drag everyone down. He says it like five times. And I never got the vibe from Obi-Wan that that was the case. Like, if the movie was trying to imply that he was just this hard, like, hitting master, like, he seemed pretty, like, chill you know yeah. yeah a fun guy to hang out with <laughs> anakin like hates him he says some really personal stuff it's weird because anakin is supposed to be 19 in this movie but he acts like he's 14 to 16 you know it seems like george lucas was like you know i've got to have a romance in here to set up Everything else that happens. Yeah, it's like, we got to get Luke somehow, right? Didn't anybody else, like, <laughs> proofread it? Because if you wrote it down, I'm pretty sure I read the episode two book back in the day. And that stuff kind of reads, you know, I didn't realize it at the time, but like a Harlequin romance thing when they're out on Naboo. Like, it's bad. It's cringy. It's not great. Oh, really? I've only read the episode three book, and I felt like that one added a whole bunch to the movie. Well, the books are good, usually. I don't know. It's been so long since I read them, but I remember, yeah, episode two, the romance stuff was, I was like, come on, let's get back to Obi-Wan. You can't put lipstick on a pig. Is that what you're saying? Pretty much. And that dialogue is just so bad. Oh, it drags the movie down because you go from an exciting action scene back to Anakin and Padme rolling in the grass and then saying stupid things to each other. <laughs> Surfing on space cows. Like, what the <laughs> heck? So, like, I gotta say, I did not have as much fun watching this one as I did episode one. Because I was like, oh, yeah, space mystery with Obi-Wan. And then we keep getting drugged back to surfing on space cows and rolling in the grass. 
Like every time I was having fun, I just get yanked out of it. Admitting that you like a fascist dictatorship for government. Yeah. To the person <laughs> who's trying to abolish the creation of an army. Hey, opposites attract. <laughs> I guess so, because Anakin did nothing but be opposite. And then all of a sudden, Padme's like, all right, I'm down. I did like the beginning, though, where they're like investigating... Or they're, like, protecting her from the murder or something, whatever it was. They're barley guards. I thought that was kind of a fun... Uh, like, it was feel like a cop movie, almost, with those two. It was kind of weird. I didn't expect that. Oh, like the chase scene with the, uh, the shape-shifting alien? Yeah, yeah. That was pretty cool. I liked that quite a bit, actually. They had a fun dynamic, him and uh, Anakin and Obi-Wan. I thought they were, like, you know, they had kind of... I mean, the acting might not have been the greatest, but they had a fun rapport, I thought. Yeah, and I mean, that's part of what makes episode three... The best of the prequels, I think, too, is because they focus more on that rapport they have, and it really adds a lot to both of their characters and the impending circumstances that they get into. But yeah, this one sets it up, but it doesn't like explore it too much because we have to go see the romance thing or whatever. So it's like, ugh. I wanted to bring up <laughs> something about the whole the beginning with the bounty hunter stuff it's the dumbest thing why didn't Django fett go try and kill padme right because <laughs> i think he could have done it a lot better than now <laughs> why is Django fett even there yeah why is he hiring a different bounty hunter to do his work yeah why did someone hire him he's retired is he well that's more expanded universe stuff fox they don't mention that in the movie. <laughs> I mean, he's been paid millions and millions by the Camino people to become the template for clones. Like, why is he out there taking contracts? He has a son. He loves it. <laughs> he likes shooting people. I think it's dumb that he was there at all. And he hired a shapeshifter of all people. You would think the shapeshifter would be good, but no, she just gives some bugs to a droid. They keep passing the buck over here. <laughs> Jango Fett's like, here, shapeshifter, you killed the, the princess. And then <laughs> the shapeshifter's like, all right, here you go, droid. Put these worms in there. You killed the princess. I, I feel like Lucas was like, let's make this person a shapeshifter after the fact because she's the worst shape-shifting bounty hunter that ever existed <laughs> i mean when the droids flying kenobi back to her she shoots the droid instead of shooting kenobi he's dangling from it just shoot him and you're good <laughs> why not just send the droid away from you like you don't need to have that back <laughs> Then when she goes to hide in the nightclub, she doesn't shapeshift into something else. She just goes and tries to kill him. I'm like, come on, you're so inept. I mean, I guess she can't change her outfit. She can just change her face, so... I mean, she could just take off her outfit and change into some nasty creature that don't wear clothes, like Jabba the Hutt or something. You would think that she would have something like that up her sleeve. Yeah. Just bring a change of clothes with you. Go in the bathroom, change clothes, and come out. That's all you gotta do. Yeah, exactly. So, that really stuck out to me this time. I was like, seriously? <laughs> she could have been cool. A lot of mispotential with that. If Lucas would have started out with her as a shapeshifter and not just, like, tacking it on. Oh, it's Star Wars. Make her a shapeshifter. It'll be cool. Jango was cool in this movie, though. I did like him a lot. Yeah. 
He he kicked Obi Wan's butt. I feel like it's kind of like making up for uh, Boba Fett in the later ones, where he actually he like he looks cool, but he doesn't do anything. And this one, like he looks cool, and he actually <laughs> manages to do a lot of cool stuff too. Yeah, J- Jango's cool, and even in the expanded universe stuff, you learn that he got recruited by Dooku to clone everybody because. He killed uh, Dooku's apprentice. Ah, okay. And so Dooku's like, man, we got someone who can kill Jedi or Sith, so let's make this clone army out of this guy's genes. His ship is awesome, too, with the bombs. Those things are sweet. Ooh, the Slave One. Yeah, those bombs that like just like go silent and then make this loud noise. Oh, so awesome. That's got to be one of the coolest like sound design things I've heard in any movie. <laughs> I love the noise those things make. It's just, it's it's great. It's awesome. <laughs> I guess, though, why does he, like, want a son that's exactly like him? Is it just because he loves himself too much? They don't really go into it. It's just like, I want a son, but that's it. He's the last Mandalorian. He's gotta, gotta you know, get some offspring. They don't even say he's a Mandalorian in this, I don't think. But Whatever. <laughs> I mean, just... <laughs> I'm just questioning this. I don't, is he a Mandalorian, though? I don't know. I don't remember. I think he claims the root, but... I mean, he wears the armor. Well, we're talking about EU stuff, and that stuff doesn't exist anymore, so... Well, it does exist, but... Not in Disney canon, it doesn't. Well, I don't... I don't follow Disney canon yeah. <laughs> for everything, <Well>. right? <laughs> oh, it's cool background stuff if you're into it, like like we are it's just fun stuff that's out there and it enriches everything and makes it better since episode two is lacking in a lot of ways unfortunately yeah i mean i could have used some more like you know interactions with him and his son or something just to get like the idea of what their relationship is because it's just like oh and he wanted a son because we need to set up boba fett like (laughs) no other reasons besides that it feels like that's what most of this movie is is setting up things in the um original three star wars movies because you got boba fett you've got anakin and obi-wan being friends quotation marks there the clone army the clone war which sets up the stormtroopers later and all that stuff the death star yep emperor palpatine getting well i guess chancellor palpatine getting emergency powers or whatever for the clone war and all that stuff so it it's different to episode one in that this one's setting up a lot of stuff whereas episode one was just a bunch of background filler things only thing that set up was palpatine's rise the power but this one actually goes in the setting up all the events in the rest of the movies basically and it suffers because of that i think because that's why the really bad romance is in there for sure oh and they set up the uncle uh, in Ant Peru or whatever. That's not as bad, though. It felt kind of forced a little bit. They're like, hey, it's me. I'm your brother now, and this is my girlfriend, Peru. And then, <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs> there they are. Well, let's talk about the main reason people watch episode two, which is the last, like, 25 minutes of the movie. The arena fight, the Dooku fight, and then the Yoda fight. And the clone fights. Well, yeah, the clones come in, too, but... Like the last bit of this movie is why people watch it, I think, because it's so cool. It is pretty good. Yeah, I enjoyed the last, like, yeah, whatever, 30 minutes a lot, actually. I mean, if you think back to it, the big lightsaber fight people had seen up to this point was the Darth Maul one, which was awesome. But then 
in episode two when the arena fight starts happening and all these Jedi just show up and you have how many Jedi are there? Probably like 40, 50. Oh, at least. Yeah. All fighting in this massive battle together. That was awesome. Yeah, that's pretty sweet. Seeing them all, yeah. In their prime. You don't you don't get to see that again, I don't think. No, never like concentrated like that. You know, you get some like war scenes in episode three, but it's definitely a unique scene for the cinematic universe. Yeah, and it really illustrates how powerful the Jedi are because they take out like an entire army of droids by themselves. I have no complaints. Well, actually, I do have some complaints in some of the action, but the arena scene is great. I've always loved watching this movie just for like the arena scene because it's it's so good. It's so much fun. I mean, you get all the fun banter between people in there, but it's serious because you've got Jedi actually dying when they're going in there. And it's like crazy because you don't see Jedi die really in big battles before just when they're fighting like they're equals among sith and stuff like that so it's really cool seeing it that way yeah there are a lot of jedi who die in there they kill like over half of them well they kind of set something up earlier too where i was trying to figure out what he was saying but yoda says something about like the power of the force is weakening or something like that like they're not as strong as they used to be and it was like this big secret and like they never really go into that at all which kind of disappoints me because it was very interesting but that might explain too why some of them are going down and stuff so easy oh i think what he's referencing is that the dark side is able to kind of cloud the jedi's ability of foresight a little bit and disguise their intentions because yoda is very clairvoyant he can see into the future really well but he can't do that because sidious is around and he's like one of the most powerful sith ever so yeah they don't do a good job going into that it's explained better outside of the actual movies but yeah they could have done a a better job touching on that i think that would have been a cool idea like you know like the force is running thin a little bit because there's like so many jedis running around and stuff maybe or something i don't know i thought that was kind of interesting but yeah they don't dwell into it i think it's interesting too watching this movie and then going to something like the original 2d animated clone wars tv show because in that one compared to this one anyways it feels like all the lesser jedi die in that arena fight and like all the masters basically end up living because when you look at the animated show you'll have mace windu fight an entire droid army by himself with no lightsaber for the majority of it and destroy the entire thing. So it's 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 interesting, I think, comparing it. I guess that would explain why we have, yeah, the few iconic masters in the various Clone Wars series and third movie, is that all the knights died in the arena fight. Yeah, and they're just the cool iconic characters. Like, they're the people that the fans want to see more of, you know? Yeah. Yeah, give me more of Squidhead. Kit Fisto. You'll be a little disappointed with Kit Fisto in uh, episode three. What? He's not that great in episode three. Oh, man. I liked him the best. Yeah, he was one of my favorites. I gotta say, when I watched this in the theater when I was a kid, so 2002, I would have been nine, and Yoda fights Dooku, that was awesome. Because we had been, you know, told since episode four that Yoda is the most powerful Jedi, you know, but you never get to see anything that he does besides walk around with a stick and crack jokes. 
And then you get to see him doing his flips and fighting and using the force. That was so awesome. Just like nine-year-old Mike was loving it. Yeah, I, I enjoyed it this time. I liked it once he started jumping around. When they were just throwing rocks at each other, I thought that was kind of lame. But when they were actually like fighting, I thought that was cool. For me, that scene, I like the exchange of force powers because up until then, whenever somebody used force lightning, like you never saw it get like blocked by anything. Palpatine just shocks the crap out of Luke and kills Darth Vader. They just take it the whole time. So when Obi-Wan blocks it in this one, you're like, all right, that makes sense since it's a lightsaber. But then Yoda shows up and he just catches it and shoots it right back like it's nothing. And you're like, oh, ho, ho. He's, do- he's using all his force ability and it's pretty cool. Yeah, that was cool. But the rocks, it just felt like it was going on too long. <laughs> like, it's like, okay, I'm going to throw a rock at you. That didn't work. I'm going to drop a pipe <laughs> on you. That didn't work. It's like, okay, I feel like the lightning shouldn't, the lightning should have been the sign that. It's like the samurai duel where they just trade a couple of little quick blows to get a feel for it. I guess, except for not as epic, I felt like. <laughs> oh, I don't know. Maybe not the rocks and stuff, but the force lightning, I always thought was pretty cool maybe just do that i thought it was interesting this time you know like the rocks you know take it or leave it but when dooku pulls down that big i don't know power conduit thing whatever that is and tries to smush obi-wan and anakin i think it's kind of interesting to look at how george lucas was using the force in his movies because you watch the clone wars animated series or you play the games and people are doing real crazy stuff with the force like super op stuff but Yoda was like kind of struggling to hold that thing up. So people just kind of take the force and just kind of, you know, go willy nilly with it. But it was kind of interesting for me this time to be like, you know, Yoda was kind of struggling with that thing. And he's like one of the strongest force users out there. So how strong is the force supposed to be, you know, at least in George Lucas eyes? It's hard to justify a lot of that, too. Because you could say that Dooku was still applying pressure on it to knock it over as he was making his escape, too. So I don't want to get into a big power level discussion, because save that for, like, Marvel. <laughs> uh, you could do that argument in the prequels as well. Yeah, you definitely can. I, I still enjoyed Yoda's fight with Dooku, but there's been a lot of criticism about that, too, over the years. And I, I think, for me personally... It would have been cooler if Yoda didn't use his lightsaber at all during that fight. Because he's, like, supposed to be the most powerful Jedi. He shouldn't even need to use it to defeat people. I think it would have been cooler that way, but I still like what we got, if that makes sense. I don't know what they would have done to make it like that, but if they would have found something, I think it would have been cool. Because it's like, this guy's on a completely different level. He doesn't even have to use a lightsaber. To beat people. In, in my mind, I look at it as like Yoda's like old, decrepit, his body's failing. So he's like actively using the force the entire fight to like propel the various parts of his body to do all these crazy flips and spins and zoom all over the place. Definitely, yeah. Which is cool. That does showcase how strong he is with it since he goes from just waddling around with his cane to being this master swordsman, so. I do like uh, Dooku in this movie. I think he's kind of cool. I wish he was in it more because I really liked his interesting dynamic with like, used to be a Jedi but left and did his own thing for a while. Is he actually like evil? Is he good? 
I mean, I kind of was disappointed in the twist where, oh, I'm just the apprentice of Sidious, but I kind of liked the idea that he was just this like rogue element that was also trying to stop the the Sith from taking over the the government, but he was just doing it in his own way. I thought that was kind of interesting. No, I mean, he still kind of is a rogue element, I think, you know? He's not just about total domination and power. He's also like a businessman and orders good for business. Well, and the Sith are always scheming against each other, too. The Master and the Apprentice, right? So I always got the feeling like since he was the leader of the Separatists that He was trying to build himself up there so that way he could take on Sidious during the Civil War when it was the opportune moment. I mean, he tries to take on several apprentices, including Obi-Wan in this one. He's a cool character that deserved more exploration at the cost of the love story. I guess he's the big villain in this. I guess him or Jango, but yeah, they don't really get any build-up. Kind of like the last one with Darth Maul where he just kind of shows up. I feel like what they should have done, I don't know, in my opinion, is like had one guy, maybe at least for a couple of the movies, like so you could build him up in the first movie and then have him get defeated in the second one or something. Like pick one, Darth Maul or, you know, Dooku. But it feels like we're just like, oh, here's the villain of the week. Oh, he's dead. Oh, here's the next villain of the week. And he might not be dead in this one, but if I remember right, some things are going to happen in the next one. You nailed it right there. The villain of the week thing. That's, I think, one reason why the originals are a lot better because you stick with Darth Vader through all three of them and then Emperor Palpatine through two of them at least. You hear a lot about them in the first one so it kind of carries over. They build them up, yeah. And you get used to them and you get the understand their motivations and everything whereas uh, it's kind of like the Marvel films, right? Thanos was the best because they stuck with them for a while and then all the other ones they just were villains of the week for the most part they're cool villains of the week but they don't have much substance to them christopher lee i love him as an actor he's awesome and he brings such a good like gravitas to this role but yeah he's so underutilized and you know i know he's old but um there was a moment i can't remember if he was fighting obi-wan or anakin but there was like this weird editing of them fighting each other where it was just like a bunch of close-ups of them just like their face and they're just swinging. <laughs> and I'm like, this is weird. They used a stunt double and they like CGI'd his face on the double in some scenes. Like that, it was fine. I thought they pulled that off. But yeah, when it was just like him and Obi-Wan just like close ups, I was like, this looks really awkward. Or when he's riding his, um, his motorcycle thing, it's like, this looks kind of awkward too, but he's old. I mean, I get it. But yeah, it's just, they, maybe they could have just kept with the stunt double then if that was the the issue. We'll say I was a little less impressed by the visuals on this one than I was with episode one. Like, I felt like episode one in the 90s still was like revolutionary, but I don't know. And now we're several years later and I felt like they really hadn't improved all that much in that time span. The environments are a lot better in this one. Granted, a lot of it is on desert barren planets, but I mean... (laughs) They make that look better than the droid Gungan battle terrain in the first movie, which is just a bad texture map, it looked like. Whereas this one, they got rocks and dust storms and crevices and crags and all kinds of stuff in there. I think what stuck out the most to me in this one was the droid factory fight. The droid factory just doesn't hold up as well as 
I remember it. <laughs> Anyways. Man, in that factory, I'm pretty sure R2-D2 tried to murder C-3PO. Thank you. <laughs> yes. My girlfriend's over here like, R2's the best. And I'm like, no, he's like a hobo murderer. C-3PO's looking off the edge. And then R2-D2 just pushes him off. Like, R2 doesn't know what's under there. Like, C-3PO could just got crushed and destroyed. <laughs> he thought he was getting him out of the way so he could be everyone's favorite droid. <laughs> I think R2 is just tired of C-3PO. They did just meet, or or not just meet. They'd reconvened, I guess, and R2's like, I'm tired of all your whining and complaining. I'm just going to kill you here. No one will know. <laughs> Lock the plank. <laughs> I suspect we'll see a few more instances of R2 almost murdering people. Oh, he, he, he saves everybody in every movie. At least once. I'm going to keep my eyes open. I'm suspicious of this little robot. That's actually something I wanted to bring up in this uh, thing. I'm glad you talked about it because I'd forgotten, Fox. Do you guys think that the droids in Star Wars have actual like consciousness and artificial intelligence? Or do you think they're just following their programming? Because it's, it's weird how they work sometimes in regards to other sci-fi movies. Yeah, I think, I don't know, I think it depends on like how they're made. Because, yeah, it feels like R2's got a lot of free will going on. And then the, just the troops, the droid troops that are fighting, I feel like they have very little intelligence <laughs> and they're kind of dumb. I think it depends which canon you're going off of. Well, just like the movie canon. We'll stick to that. Oh, in the movie canon, they probably do have like free will to some extent well yeah what's the deal with like some of the bars are like no droids i don't you know like is there just is why why aren't they allowed in there yeah and then you have ig 88 who's the bounty hunter droid who works independently and then you've got like r2 and sometimes c3po doing their own things but then you've got like all the trade federation droids and stuff like you mentioned, Terry. Yeah, I think it depends on the if the droid's a main character. Yeah, I think you're right. <laughs> yeah, I think you're right, too. <laughs> I don't think it's really worth looking into very much, because they don't even try, like, you know, with Star Trek, where they keep the androids, you know, you're an android, you don't have feelings, or do you, you know? Star Wars just doesn't get into that. Okay, so I've got another little nitpick to uh, address. Obi-Wan is a terrible mystery solver when the missing planet <laughs> arrives and he's like, huh, the gravity is still there, but there's just a blank spot. Where did the planet go? <laughs> and then like a five-year-old kid tells him where the planet went. Like, <laughs> like it's, it's just there, dude. Go fly and see. Just go look. Yeah, like <laughs> it's not that hard. <laughs> but it wasn't in the archives, TV. And if it's not in the archives, then it doesn't exist. Maybe he was scared it was a black hole and it's going to get sucked in if he went and looked. Oh, I see. <laughs> Maybe, I guess. Or he's just lazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's kind of what I got from it was like, huh, I don't know the answers. I'll just go to the smartest Jedi I know, Yoda. And then Yoda's like, uh, this guy again. All right, little kids, what do you think? Yeah, I don't know. I feel like maybe he could have put a little more effort into it. Like, I guess maybe the deal is he does, doesn't want to spend like, you know, weeks flying out there just for it to be nothing or to be a black hole. He's trying to budget his time for the mystery. It's his job, though. Like, that's what he's been assigned to do. Well, somebody might, like, end up dead if he's gone for a month trying to track down this mystery planet that he's not sure about. Well, maybe he should have brought up his concerns so I could understand why he's not 
willing to look into this. Yeah, it is funny. I totally love how Yoda throws shade at him by having the little kid answer. He's like, hmm, missing planet, eh? (laughs) I I think Obi-Wan's always been like a follower character, you know? He's not really one to go and take initiative on his own. He likes to be directed. He's very much for following the rules, unlike his master who ended up dead. Maybe. I don't know. I think maybe he's just kind of dumb. Oh, oh I don't, let's! I don't want to discount his intelligence. I just say he's lazy. Uh, he's lazy. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> he definitely matures over the course of the films. That's for sure. Hopefully, they'll have him figured out by the next one. Well, he's got a lot more character in this one. Yeah, he's a lot better in this one. He actually goes and does stuff, which is nice. And yeah, he's a lot more fun in this one, too, because we get to hang out with him. I love when he goes to the diner. That's such an awesome scene. That's so weird. What the heck? <laughs> what do you mean it's weird? It's this weird dude just comes out and is like, hey, I used to mine. I know all this stuff. <laughs> such a weird... He's the diner owner. He's like the skeevy dude who owns the diner. I know. It felt like very much like a cop movie. He's like, I got a contact. Yeah. This is like 50s exactly. diner. <laughs> this big guy. And he's like, hmm, I thought you would know the difference between intelligence and wisdom. I think he was dissing Obi-Wan a little bit, too. <laughs> he was. <laughs> Throwing shade. Was anybody got anything else they want to hit on for this one? The music. We got to mention it again. It's so good. I don't know. I didn't stand out as much for me this time. There was some kind of different stuff in here that, like the guitar. Was there like guitar or something going on in this one? You mean in the car chase scene, the like dive bomb sound? Yeah, where it was like, Wah! oh yeah, that stuff. Was that music or was that like the speeders? That was the speeder. That was the speeders, I think. Okay. I do like how anytime Anakin does something angry-ish, it plays the Imperial, like, march in the background. Yeah. They do do a good job foreshadowing his turn in this one. I don't know. I feel like he was just always angry and mean in this one. They set it up well with him getting uh, super pissed off at the Sand People and killing them all because he's got the attachment issues still. And then... Him's stating about thinking it should be a fascist dictatorship and everything and how arrogant he is that he can bring it all himself. That is a good scene because he doesn't say that he wants to be the dictator. He just wants to be the enforcer for the dictator. Yeah. I mean, I think it would have had a better impact if he was more normal the rest of the movie. But but yeah, I mean, I liked the moment yeah, where he goes to the Tuscan Raiders place and just wipes him out. I thought that was kind of pretty good. Yeah. I I always like that part of this film because it foreshadows how he's going to end up in the future. And I don't think the acting's bad during all that stuff either. I never know how much to blame on him and how much to blame on the writing. See, I don't blame the actors at all on these. I only blame Lucas with the bad screenplay that he wrote on a notepad and didn't <laughs> didn't do a second draft of. I thought the actors did fine with what they were given. But I, I don't know. I always thought that scene or both of those scenes were better in context compared to the rest of this film and like the first one. Yeah. I mean, that's a good character moment for Anakin that we haven't really had until then. So much better than his romance. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for <laughs> sure. I guess back to the music, too. 
Across the Stars, the love theme is so good in this one. Even though the romance is so bad, that music is just like perfect. I always really liked it. Yeah, it's something I love about Star Wars, um, especially with George Lucas and these prequels, is he's not afraid to let the music take the front seat. And you just experience the music and the scene at the same time. Like at the end of this movie, when Anakin and Padme are getting married, you know, that music's just blasting and you just take in that scene. Like, that's really powerful. They He realized, you know, how powerful the music is in Star Wars. I'd say, yeah, John Williams is as essential to Star Wars as Lucas and the lightsabers are, especially that song. I think without that in this film... Especially, it would feel like watching just the terrible, like C or D movie. Especially during all those love love scenes or whatnot. They're not great, but the music like elevates it still, just because it's so good. You can feel the emotions of the characters, even if their dialogue is not up to snuff. I always thought it'd be interesting to see, you know, like so many sci-fi movies take the synth wave, you know, approach to the music. What would Star Wars be like if it had that instead of like a symphonic band behind it, you know? Yeah, that would be interesting. I would love to hear that too. Somebody score it and then we'll watch it. Do it. Man, that'd be so weird. It's like watching the new movies without the 20th Century Fox what do they call that? Not song, but prelude playing before the film. I think it'd freak me out too much to watch <laughs> any of the Star Wars movies with a different musical score. All right. I guess are we ready for overall presentation then? Yeah. Let's hit it. So we got a scale around here in this side of the galaxy. It's um the outer rim. <laughs> it goes from burn it, pass, watch it, or buy it. In that order. We kind of give a little spiel, and then we try to average it out at the end to kind of come to one overall conclusion. So, what will it be? The rating's not in our scale. It doesn't exist. Yes. <laughs> Even if the gravity points to that direction. <laughs> and we, we will be severely offended if you <laughs> disagree with us. <laughs> <Oof>. <laughs> Spoken like a true Star Wars fan. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I'm, I'm always weird on this one, how I would rate it, especially on like our scale here, because I always thought this was one of the weird ones. You know, even as a kid, when I watched it, I was like, you know, I didn't like much of that movie besides the fighting at the end, but I really did enjoy it this time. You know, I think it's fun to revisit it from uh, like my childhood where I watched it a ton and come back to it, look at it, you know, after I've seen all these other movies. And just kicking back with a buddy and watching it with beers and laughing at how cringy Anakin is in this one. I've been wondering where I'm going to put this on the scale because I think everybody should see Star Wars just because it's so creative and it gets you thinking. I guess I got to give it a buy it, but I think it's in a box set. But this is definitely, you know, if I rank the Star Wars movies, this is towards the lower area of them. Yeah, you know... As a kid, I didn't really mind this one too much. I felt like it was kind of boring by comparison to some of the other ones, just because there's a big lull on action in the middle. But I mean, I watched that arena fight scene over and over so many times. I don't know, you know, I think a lot of the uh, issues I have with it have kind of grown over the years remembering it and thinking about it. And I think I'd have to give it a watch. You know, everyone, as Mad Mike said, should see Star Wars. 
I bought it because I want to own them all, but I think unless you're just like a huge diehard Star Wars fan, you probably don't necessarily need to own this one. Yeah, I mean, I actually, I think I enjoyed this one a little bit better than the last one, just because it felt a little more focused. I mean, the love story is kind of bad, obviously. The acting with Anakin is so cringy, but I found that cringe kind of enjoyable in its own way and a kind of so bad it's good kind of thing. Um, I thought that Jango Fett and Count Dooku are really cool characters, and yeah, Jango Fett actually did some really cool fighting and stuff. I really enjoyed that. And yeah, the last 30 minutes was pretty good too. I mean, there's a few nitpicks that I brought up earlier that I thought were kind of lame that could have gone into more detail with and kind of expanded upon, maybe tightened up the story a bit. I think I'm going to give this one a watch it. The bad moments are so bad that I found them entertaining and the good stuff was, I thought, a step up from the last one for sure. So I'll give it a watch it. Yeah, a lot of this movie, unfortunately, hinges upon that love story between Anakin and Padme, and it's not up to snuff. It's probably one of the worst (laughs) love stories I've ever seen in a a film, like Twilight level bad, I'd say, um, which is not good. But the score is so good that it it does keep you watching just to hear that, and it gets you through it to all the good stuff, which is the action. This one, you you watch it for the action. You don't watch it for anything else, really. A lot of the movie hinges on the character of Anakin, and it occasionally it gets that right, but the rest of it, I mean, the dialogue's so bad, it really does ruin a lot of this film, unfortunately, because, yeah, the action is, like, really good, and it shows you things you've never seen before in Star Wars, which is fun and interesting. I really liked the huge clone versus droid battle after the arena fight. I thought that was really cool this time, seeing how they did all that. Yeah, for me, it it is a weird one to rate, because like Mike said, this was uh, when we had just the six films. This was my least favorite out of all of them, just because a lot of what it hinges on doesn't work very well. Yeah, I'd say... For me, it's a buy it because I love Star Wars and I'm a super fan. But for regular people, I'd probably say give it a watch just because it really is the start of the prequels. I mean, episode one has a little bit of stuff in it, but it's mostly filler. Whereas this one, you're actually getting how the characters are and you're going to see them change and develop over the next few movies it's worth watching for that and the action scenes because you don't there's nothing quite like star wars when it comes to space action kind of weird one to rate but yeah (laughs) wait so is this a double rating again are you doing two ratings yeah yeah it's a buy it for me but for everybody else it's probably just to watch it it's hard to rate these it is i mean obviously we're gonna own them all so <laughs> All right, so I guess that's uh, somewhere in between a buy it and a, a watch it. Yeah, I guess so. Probably a watch it. A watch it plus. Yeah, a watch it plus if you're a big fan. Also, I'll put my plugs in here. Go watch the 2D animated Clone Wars. It's on YouTube for free, and it's awesome. You get a lot of good character development between Anakin and Obi-Wan and that one, which helps set up episode three a lot and it won multiple emmys 
So it's actually highly critically acclaimed as well as fans loving it. It's great. Give it a go. Well, next week we're doing what? Episode three? Revenge of the Sith. I've always heard this is the best of the prequels. I'll be curious to see what I think of it nowadays. Gotta say, after our critiques on these two, I don't see how it couldn't be. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, we were a lot more um, in line with each other's thoughts for this one. So, yeah, I guess if you, the listeners, have any recommendations or requests, um, you can hit us up at runtherealpodcast.gmail.com, or you can uh, find us on Facebook or on Twitter at runtherreal. You can give us some movie suggestions to watch and stuff like that. That'd be good. Or let us know what you think of these movies that we've reviewed. Yeah, do you like Episode 2, The Clones Return? What was this one called? Attack of the Clones. Attack of the Clones, that's right. The Clones Begin. (laughs) Clones Begin. (laughs) Yes. Let us know what you think, you know. We want to know. Is it as bad as everybody says? Is it enjoyable? Which do you like less, Episode 1 or Episode 2? Oh, that's a good question. Cool, cool. Well, thanks for listening to us tonight, everybody. We really appreciate it. This is Run The Real, signing off. Mm -hmm.